Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, June 29th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Well, gold has continued its downward trend this week. I'm actually recording this on Thursday because I'm traveling Friday. But as I record, gold is at 1251.90, silver is trading at 1605, and the silver gold ratio stands at 78.21. Gold has hit six month lows twice so far this week, despite continued uncertainty caused by the ongoing trade war and some weak economic data. Stocks took a hit on Wednesday, falling more than 165 points, but none of that has been able to boost gold enough to overcome dollar strength. On Wednesday, the dollar index closed on a 2018 high, crossing the 95 mark. Now, some technical analysts think that gold is due for a rebound. One measure traders watch to see if the market has absorbed too much selling is the relative strength index. As of Wednesday morning, this stood at 17.23, the lowest level in about a year. A reading below 30 is considered oversold. That means there is the potential for at least a short-term bounce in the price of gold. But we're probably not going to see any real resurgence in the price until the dollar starts to weaken. Now, the way things are going, that may seem unlikely, but even some people in the mainstream aren't really all that bullish on the dollar. Peter Schiff has been saying investors shouldn't get too caught up in greenback hoopla. He called this an upside correction in a dollar bear market. And as it turns out, Peter's not alone in this assessment. At least a few mainstream analysts agree. Despite the drop in recent weeks, they see gold rallying by the end of the year, according to a report published by Bloomberg. Currency strategist Luke Luyet of Pictet Wealth Management in Switzerland told Bloomberg he sees gold climbing to 1320 per ounce by the end of the year. He agrees with Peter that the dollar peaked more than a year ago, and he also said the escalating trade war will eventually have a negative impact on the economy. Quote, we continue to believe that the dollar has peaked in January 2017, and therefore the recent strength is some sort of temporary rebound, and we expect further declines down the road. Even though it's not our scenario, if we see higher trade tension, that could at some point be positive for gold, end quote. As I talked about in last week's podcast, a lot of mainstream investors seem to think the trade war is going to be good for the dollar, but it's just not. Eventually, they're going to figure that out. The Bloomberg report quoted other mainstream analysts who are bullish on gold. Standard Chartered PLC precious metal specialist Suki Cooper sees gold testing five-year highs by the end of the year. Cooper implied prices could rise toward $1,400. Bart Mellick, global head of commodity strategy at TD Securities in Toronto, is also bullish on gold and bearish on the dollar. He recently said he expects the yellow metal to start to rebound in the final quarter of 2018. The Bloomberg article also mentioned surging gold jewelry demand in India and China as positive for the yellow metal, saying it would support gold or at least limit its downside in the near term. Now, here's another reason I'm not worried about the current drop in gold prices. I think there's a recession on the horizon. I mean, we certainly do. But there are actually some warning signs out there. Now, I know everybody talks about how strong the economy is, and depending on what numbers you look at, yeah, you can make that case. But most people are completely oblivious to the fact that it's all built on Federal Reserve easy money. It's a great big fat bubble economy. And bubbles pop, usually unexpectedly and with devastating results. 
And if you look around, there are already some warning signs. In fact, one of the best predictors of a looming inflation is flashing red right now. The yield curve between the two and 10-year treasuries narrowed to around 34 basis points this week. That's the lowest level since right before the financial crisis. Even more troubling, the global yield curve has inverted for the first time since 2007. The Financial Times called yield curves Coco Chanel's proverbial little black dress of economic indicators. As FT says, the slope made up of bond yields of various maturities has a record of predicting recessions that would make even the savviest econometrician turn pea green with envy. It's not perfect, but the curve has become flat and inverted ahead of most economic downturns in most major countries since the Second World War. And the New York Times points out, quote, curve inversions have correctly signaled all nine recessions since 1955 and had only one false positive in the mid-1960s when an inversion was followed by an economic slowdown, not an official recession. So in general, investors demand higher rates of return for locking their money up in long-term bonds, and yield curves normally slope upward. The rate of return on a two-year bond will typically be less than the return on a 10-year bond. During economic expansion, inflation expectations tend to rise. As a result, investors demand even higher yields for long-term bonds to offset this effect. A sharply upward-sloping yield curve generally means investors have optimistic expectations for the future. But during recessions, inflation tends to fall. That puts downward pressure on long-term yields. The difference between long-term and short-term yields flattens and eventually inverts. On the global front, the average yield of 7- to 10-year bonds in J.P. Morgan's broadest government bond index fell below the average yield of bonds maturing in one to three years. Although the average yield curve has inverted, individual yield curves in all major countries, including the U.S., Japan, Germany, and France, all remain positive. As the Financial Times points out, there are some technical reasons that help explain the global inversion. Nevertheless, the financial publication insists the average global yield curve inverting should not be immediately dismissed as a technical fluke of no importance. Quote, the shape of the curve matters so much because it is the overall judgment of thousands and thousands of well-informed investors around the world, and the collective signal they are sending is that the outlook is far from rosy, end quote. The flattening yield curve in the U.S. is not as easily explained away by technical factors, and what happens in America has a major impact on the global economy. The Financial Times speculates that a couple of more Federal Reserve interest rate hikes could lead to an inverted U.S. yield curve, deepening the global inversion. Now, it probably won't shock you to know that the Fed has its hand in all of this. It is intentionally pushing up short-term rates as part of its tightening policy. That naturally flattens the spread. But there's a bigger picture. Markets don't like having their easy money punch bowls taken away. When you have a boom driven by loose monetary policy and the policy begins to tighten, bubbles can start to burst. As a result, things can quickly go bust. So the Fed's quest to normalize rates not only naturally flattens the yield curve, it could crash the bubble economy. This could explain the correlation between Fed monetary tightening, flattening yield curves, and the onset of recessions. And then we have the ever-expanding national debt. This little tidbit came out this week. At the current trajectory, the cost of paying the annual interest on U.S. debt will equal the annual cost of Social Security within 30 years. This is according to a recent report released by the Congressional Budget Office. Now, think about that for a minute. It's going to cost the federal government as much money just to make interest payments on the debt as it is to run Social Security. 
That's just within 30 years. And think about this. The CBO is generally pretty conservative with its assumptions. But no, 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 nothing to see here, right? So the mainstream keeps telling us everything is great. But as I've said before, optimism can't trump economic reality. Tightening yield curves are yet another sign everything isn't as rosy as the pundits want you to think. The national debt is another sign that things are not as rosy as the pundits want you to think. So there are some short-term reasons to be bullish on gold. And when you look at the long term, the case for gold is even better. The World Gold Council recently released an in-depth report on the gold market over the next 30 years. The WGC pinpointed four reasons to be optimistic about the gold market. These are growing income levels in India and China, the world's leading gold consumers, increasing demand in the technology sector, the increasing use of gold and silver in everyday transactions, and the ease of moving gold back and forth from one person to another thanks to digital technology, and tightening supply with dropping mine output. I'll put a link to an article that goes more into depth about this on the show notes page. So this may be a great time to buy gold. I mean, it's basically on sale, and we all have a sale, right? To learn more, talk to a Shift Gold Precious Metal Specialist today. Just call 1-888-GOLD-160. That's 1-888-GOLD-160. Well, that's a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more, and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com news. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes for free. There's a link on our show notes page. Thanks for listening to the show, and I will talk to you again next week.